Hey there, welcome to the Rim Church Podcast. We're so glad you found us. The Rim Church is based in San Antonio, Texas, and we believe in loving Jesus, building family, and changing the world. Wherever you find yourself today, we trust that it is not by accident that you're listening to this message, and we believe that God has something to speak to you right where you are. For more information on what we're all about, go ahead and visit us at therim.church or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, if you have a Bible, uh, I'd love for you to turn with me to 1 Timothy. Uh, we're in a sermon series that we started last week. Lashad James kicked us off and did an amazing, amazing job. I sat here on the front row, and if I'm honest, I was frustrated at how good it was and was like, gosh, like I feel like I really have to bring my A game. Uh, he it was just so proud of you and so grateful for you loving and leading our family. And we dove into this text uh, or this, this journey through this series that we've called Thrive, which if we're honest, feels very youth campy. Uh, and so we just went with it and put the colors and very summer vibes. But here, here's the heartbeat of this series. Is what does it look like when, when everything around us, and I think a lot of us inside too, we feel like we're barely surviving. But what if Jesus is actually inviting us into more and that our lives are not meant just to be survived, but we could actually thrive. We could actually experience the fullness of God and what that looks like. And so Lashad kicked us off and just said, hey, in First and Second Thessalonians, that you should expect conflict um, because of these countercultural convictions that we have as believers. But those countercultural convictions don't come from Facebook. They come from being connected to King Jesus. And so what I want to do today is I just want to double click on that piece. And that's where we're going to spend our time as, as First Timothy kind of is going to walk us through. And we're going to do this a little bit different. A lot of times we just park on a few verses and just kind of spend some time just uh, breaking that down. But we're going to just fly through this, this six chapters of this book. And so it'll be kind of pretty quick, but encourage you, uh, man, for you to, to read along this whole year. Uh, we've been teaching our sermon series have been through our Bible reading plan. And so this past week, uh, if you're walking with us, that you read the, the six chapters of First Timothy. And so hopefully this will just kind of be a little bit of a recap and then we'll kind of zero in on a few highlights. So that, that's the heartbeat. That's where we're headed uh, today. Okay. And uh, so First Timothy, uh, this week, I'll give you one quick update and then I'll, it'll kind of set us up for the sermon. This uh, week, we got to bring our son, Lyndon, home from the hospital. And I know many of you guys, yeah. Uh, he's two months old and has spent more time in the hospital than he's spent outside of the hospital. And he had to have uh, kind of a, I'd say emergency. It was a last minute, unexpected G-tube surgery and spent about nine days in the hospital recovering. And he got to come home uh, Wednesday evening. And uh, there was this moment, and it might have been Thursday or Friday night, like, you know, he's crying and just holding him. And you begin to just to pray, and you're looking for, you know, the future. You're just going, God, like, I have no idea what, you know, what his life's going to look like. And you have these moments as maybe a dad where you imagine maybe he's going to play Little League Baseball or, you know, some sport. Or uh, maybe he's going to love art. Like, I have no idea. Like, who's he going to be? And, and this thought just kind of dropped into my heart. I was thinking about him maybe being little and playing Little League Baseball and, and imagine uh, maybe coaching that team and having to leave town and wanting to write him a letter to encourage him for the big game that he's got on Saturday. And 
uh, and writing this letter and just highlighting some specifics of like, hey, how to play against this opponent and like what you need to watch out for. And it may be details for this specific game, this specific op- opponent that highlight maybe, you know, hey, uh, you need to bunt more often because of the way this team plays. Or, hey, don't lead off too much from first because this pitcher is really, really quick. Or, hey, tell the outfield to move in just a little bit. Or watch out for this pitcher's curveball. And it may be some very specific details for that specific game, but I'm sure as a dad, it would kind of come back to maybe, hey, but here's what's really important. Like you can forget all of those things, but here's what I want you to focus in on. And the focus is no matter what, keep your eye on the ball. Like whether you're, you're batting or you're in the field, always keep your eye on the ball. And in this, this first Timothy, what we're going to see is we're going to see the Apostle Paul is writing to one of his disciples, his protege, Timothy, who's taken on leadership of this church in Ephesus. And so he's writing this letter, giving him very specific instructions of how to lead this hot mess that's called the family of God. And so he's going to kind of speak into that. But what you're going to notice in almost every chapter is he's going to kind of remind Timothy, Timothy, yeah, yeah, all of this stuff, it's, it's a giant distraction. Don't, don't get lost in that. Here's the focus. Keep your eye on the ball. And, and the eye on the ball, the focus is this, that Jesus desires to be in the very center of all of it and, and, ev- and everything and all that you are and every place that you go and everything that you do and and how you, when you gather together or when you lead out, that Jesus desires to be in the very center of it all. And so that's what we're going to see repeated over and over again. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, we're just going to read a few verses and uh, hopefully so you can just kind of see it. You're not just taking my word for it. But in chapter 1 of verse 3, this is what Casey just read. Paul says this to Timothy. He says, as I urged you when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain people not to teach false doctrine or to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies. These promote empty speculations rather than God's plan, which operates by faith. Now, the goal of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. So what's leaking into the church is all of these false teachers who, who, who the scripture says are getting caught up in these false doctrines and myths and, and endless genealogies and conspiracy theories and all the focus is shifting. And Paul's coming back going, no, 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 no. Keep your eye on the ball, Timothy. But Jesus desires to be in the very center of everything and all that you do. Like don't get caught up in all of these genealogies and myths and rumors. And so... The, the best way I could think about it, because I was reading this, and I was like, what does that actually mean? What does that look like for us? And I think Paul is kind of saying, hey, stay away from all of the Christian clickbait. You guys know when I say clickbait, what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. It's these uh, maybe over-exaggerated article titles that, that the goal is to just get you to click. And so uh, there are things like, uh, you'll never believe Blank, And you're like, oh, I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't believe it. I got to click and find out if I'll believe it. Or uh, maybe it's how to achieve results with one weird trick. And you're like, oh, what is it? Is it baking soda? Like, what do you have to do? Is you eat it and then it makes you healthy? Like, what? And you, you, you're drawn to it. 
Or this one was my favorite. Uh, this is actually a real one that I saw this week. Uh, yeah, this outrageous truth about green gummy bears will destroy your world. <laughs> you think you have life figured out and then bam. Okay, now listen. Got me. Like I was like, uh, what's going on? Clicked on it. Uh, any guesses? This is the world-changing information. The green gummy bear, its flavor is strawberry. <laughs> and you usually see these a lot on social media, uh, maybe at the bottom of a news article. And here's the deal. They're so pointless. And it doesn't help your life at all. Honestly, all the gummy bears taste the same. But Paul's kind of going, hey, listen, you're chasing all of these distractions. And maybe, yeah, there's some cool stuff in there. Maybe there's some stuff that tickles your ear and you just keep clicking and keep clicking. But he's going, stay focused. Keep your eye on the ball here. Jesus desires to be the very center of all that you are. Like, this is how you're going to thrive. This is what I've called you to, for Jesus to be in the center of your life. And he's going to kind of remind us in chapter 1, uh, if you break down, just, uh, we'll just do 17, verse 17. Uh, it's kind of, he's getting to the end of this chapter, and so he's kind of shared all this. Hey, don't get distracted here. Be reminded of this. Talking about Jesus. Now, to the King Eternal, who's immortal, he's invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul, keep, keep your eye on the ball here. Timothy, keep your eye on the ball. Jesus desires to be in the very center. Don't get wrapped up in all of these distractions. And Paul, in the end of the chapter, actually even throws out a few names of people that got distracted and their whole faith got shipwrecked, is the, the word he uses. They got distracted and their whole faith shipwrecked. So they definitely not thriving in Jesus and they didn't even survive. But the scripture says that they, they, they shipwrecked. Don't take your eyes off the ball. He goes into 2 Timothy here. And uh, in 2 Timothy, there's a lot of disorder with the church. It was really chaotic. And so he's kind of reminding the church, hey, you want to hey, pray, like go to Jesus, like keep your focus on him. And then he's going to give some instructions that if from our cultural standpoint seem very intense and very weird. Okay, if you read it this week, this might be the point where you put down the pen, maybe even close the Bible and you're like, I'm done, okay? It's a little weird. Uh, so I'm gonna kind of give us a little bit of back, background. But it's almost like Paul knows that. He knows this is strange. He knows this is gonna be a hard thing to maybe kind of take on. So he starts with the focus here in this chapter. In verse five, he says this, for there is one God, keep your focus, eye on the ball. Don't, don't forget, there's one God, one mediator between God and humanity, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all a testimony at the proper time. Timothy, before we even dive in to this conversation and begin splitting hairs, let's keep our focus in the right place. Let's keep our eye on the ball. Jesus desires to be in center of all of this. Don't, don't get distracted. Don't be chasing all these rabbits. Stay focused. And he's gonna go in and he's gonna give some instructions to men and women. And in verse eight, it says this. Uh, Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands, without anger or argument. Also, the women are to dress themselves in modest clothing with decency and good sense, not with elaborate hairstyles, gold pearls. Gold pearls are expensive apparel, 
but with good works as is proper for women who profess to worship God. A woman, here we go, is to learn quietly with full submission, and I do not allow a woman to teach or have authority over a man. Instead, she is to remain quiet. Pause. Here's the deal. We're not going to go fully into this. It's a whole other sermon for a whole other day, but I will just kind of like point some stuff because here's what I know to be true. Even reading this with tons of church background or very little or none at all, immediately, this is where all of our attention went this past week if we read in the scripture. Immediately, this sermon, all of your attention went to these verses and you'll walk out of here and this will be the thing that you wrestle with. This will be the thing that kind of you tensed up on. If you're not careful, this becomes the focus. Instead of Jesus being at the center, this becomes the focus. And I want to give you just some quick, maybe potential cultural background that will just kind of help shed some light. I'm not going to go too much into it. I'm not going to share too much of what, what we believe. But here we go, okay? There's a couple of things that are going on here. The, the men in the church are spending a majority of their time just arguing about a lot of these myths and about these false doctrines. That their pride is swelling up and they're, they're actually pulling the attention of the church from Jesus and to all of these arguments and all of these debates. And Paul is telling them, hey, chill out. Be quiet. Just shut your mouth. Quit arguing. I wish you would learn to bring these things to God instead of to each other and causing all of this division. So chill out. And, and then he comes to the women and he's like, hey, you're making church about a fashion show. Like you're dressing up to the nines and you're coming in and, and here's what you want is you want all the attention on you instead of on Jesus. And there's all of these distractions. And so he's going, hey, just chill out. And the truth is like, I mean, in this time, I mean, Artemis is, this, is, the, is kind of the main God of Ephesus, which is the God of sex. And so women are the predominant priest, priestess and the prophetess at this time. And, and the way you worship this God is you go to the temple and you pay for a prostitute. And so a lot of these women are dressing like the cultural prostitutes and coming in and causing this major distraction. He's going, hey, just chill out. Fellas, quit arguing. Ladies, be modest. Why? Because we want the attention to be on Jesus, not on you. It's not about how smart you think you are. It's not about how pretty you are. It's not about your performance. It's about Jesus. And then he's going to go and he's going to go, hey, like I, I want just to be silent. Take a second to learn is what he tells the women. Now, here's a couple of reasons I think that's true. Let me explain. This is from me. In Ephesus, the pr prominent language is Greek. Okay? The Old Testament, the Torah that we've been taught was, was written in Hebrew. And Jesus spoke in Aramaic. And so a lot of times in a church gathering like this, the teachings were probably in Hebrew or maybe Aramaic. And so the women, speaking prominently Greek, men, bilingual, they were speaking, and you have a lot of women that keep nudging, going, what's he saying? What's he saying? Say it out loud. Translate for me. And it's almost like Paul's going, hey, shh, shh, talk about it when you get home. It's too much of a distraction. It's slowing things down. Just learn. Just listen. Quit trying to be heard. Also, you've got, once again, the women who have been the leaders of this cult, the priestess, these prophets who are assuming authority. And stepping up to the microphone and go, hey, here's my thoughts. And they're just perpetuating these false doctrine and these false teaching. And so what, he, what Paul is saying to Timothy is, 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 is pause. And what I want you to do is I want you to come underneath the leadership of Timothy. Be trained. Be educated before you step into a moment assuming authority when you don't actually have it. 
A little different, huh? Once again, he's writing this to a specific t-ball game, to a specific player going, hey, this one, focus here. Okay, once again, my thought, there's some other things that I can double click on and get deeper and I don't, I don't, I don't have time. Uh, it'll, yeah, so it'll feel like I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth. So I'll just be quiet. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of the focus here. Now in chapter three, I think I need to take a break. That was a lot. Uh, maybe we should just pray and end there. Um, he's going to go in and it's like, hey, chapter three, I'll, I'll, I'll speed through this. Chapter three, he's going to go, hey, We've got a lot of illegitimate leaders. And we need to zero in and you need to actually get some appropriate leaders. He calls them, he uses the word elders and, and deacons, which deacons just is the word means servant. We need some men and women who are willing to serve the church. We need some, some men who hold fast to the truth. And Caesar and I were talking strangely about this passage uh, this, this, this weekend. And um, he brought up a very interesting and valid point. It's, Paul lists all of these things out. Um, that for many of us, it's sad that it seems like a high bar, but it just sounds like he's just describing a Christian. Like, hey man, try to like, I don't know, be sensible, self-control, respectable, be hospitable, you know? Like maybe welcome people into your homes, you know? Like able to teach, like maybe know God's word. Don't be an alcoholic or a bully. Like try to be gentle and quit fighting with people or being so greedy. And you're like, wow, like, Sounds like just someone who hangs out with Jesus. And so, but Paul's going, hey, you, the sad thing is, is you look around in the Western church and that bar is not being met by many men. And so uh, he just kind of gives out this. He goes, hey, and here, let me just pause real quick too, because I, I don't want you to get distracted here. Paul is not telling Timothy to start looking for men or for women who are really good at performing these actions. That is not what he says. And if you hear that today, that is not truth. What he's communicating is, is Paul or Timothy, look for men who walk with Jesus and abide with him that are so connected that he's actually in the center of everything that, he, that, that they are, that the fruit of their life, the things that pop out are gentleness and kindness, and goodness, and we've heard these patience, and love, like the fruit of the Spirit, like look for these things, because they're evidence that they're walking with Jesus. And he, once again, closes chapter three with this reminder, verse 16, keep your focus, keep your eye on the ball, that Jesus desires to be in the center, and most certainly, the mystery of godliness is great. And he talks about Jesus here. Jesus was manifested in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. Once again, the focus is on Jesus. Jesus being in the very center of, of everything that we are. In, in chapter four, he's gonna start to address a bunch of bad leaders um, who, gosh, like there's, in chapter five as well, there's these alcoholics and these uh, kind of, I don't know, shady widows, and it just kind of gets crazy, and he just begins to kind of go, hey, once again, help, help the church keep their focus on Jesus. And even the very popular verse uh, 12 here, as he's reminding Timothy, don't let anyone despise your youth. I look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And in verse 15, it says, practice these things, those things I just told you about. Be committed to them so that your progress, watch this, 
may be evident to all. What's he saying? That when, you, when, when you're walking with Jesus, when he's in the center, when you actually have an intimate, deep relationship, then what happens is the natural byproduct, not that you produce, but that Christ produces in you, are these things. These examples of believers in speech and in conduct and love and faith and purity. And when you keep Jesus the focus and he's in the center of who you are and you stay connected to him, then this stuff happens. And then in verse 6, he he talks about how slaves should interact with masters and all of this stuff. And he's going to end, once again, this, this letter reminding us to keep our focus on Jesus. And uh, in verse 15, it says this. He, talking about Jesus again, is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light whom no one has seen or can see to him. To Jesus be honor and eternal power. Amen. Timothy, whatever you do, keep your eye on the ball. And as you lead the church, help them to lift their chin and open their eyes and keep the eye on the ball because this is how you thrive in this walk with Jesus, keeping him in the center of who you are, not by trying harder, not by mustering up more willpower and trying to be more of a Christian. That, that, that's exhausting. But that's how vast majority of us, when we see Christianity, many of us, when we walked in today, that's how we see this whole thing, Right? It's, 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 a, it's a giant religious hobby. And many of us were here just to check a box so that maybe we get in God's good graces, right? So we, maybe we get up, we shower, we put on nice clothes, hoping to impress some people. We walk in here acting like our whole lives are together, like we have no problems. Our kids didn't get in a fight on the way here. I'm not mad at my spouse. My life is all together. I've got, look, I'm performing for everyone. Performing for God like he doesn't know the truth. And it's exhausting and it's a really boring hobby. But if Paul says, hey, listen, the whole focus of this, the whole goal is for you to know Jesus and to walk with him, to be connected with him, to be in the center of who you are. And that's how you thrive. That's all these other things that you're trying so hard to produce in your life. Let God produce them in you. It's not about your performance. It's about your proximity to him. So just stay close. Now, uh, I don't, I rarely do this. Um, I think maybe one other time in the church's history. Uh, If you're new, uh, this is going to be weird. Sorry. Uh, But for the last uh, 15 years of my life, I've spent, um, so pastoring is kind of a new thing. This whole preaching is fairly new. Uh, I was a magician, uh, illusionist for the Christians that are here uh, for the last 15 years. And um, yeah, dang, uh, lower your expectations, please. Uh, I, I, I don't ever want to be typecasted, so we rarely do this. But as I was thinking through this text, I was like, how can I visually help our people and really grasp this truth? Like, for it to actually Man, change our Monday morning and cause us to live a little different. Uh, I brought a trick with me. I'm going to perform it for you. But here's the deal. Just real quick. I want to be on the same page. I'm aware that what you're about to see looks like a birthday party magic trick. Okay? Just, I know that. I'm not trying to impress you. Uh, but um, I think it'll kind of get the point. But across. So, 
Uh, you're not all going to be able to see this. I'm sorry. Um, but watch this. I told you. I told you it's so cheesy. Oh, if you're impressed, wait. Uh, it gets really cool. Um, so it's a stoplight, uh, sort of. Um, and inside of this, uh, watch. Ta-da! Those were there the whole time. They're there the whole time. Once again, if you're impressed, uh, just wait. Here's what I want to do. This morning, I want you to take each one of these, okay? And in your, your heart, your life, I want you to maybe apply something that's valuable to you, to each one of these. So it could be like a job. It could be a relationship. It could be uh, whatever, family. And apply each one of these like something, like in your mind. You'll, you'll know. But I want you to take the red one and we're going to set it aside. And I want this morning for this one to represent God and, and everything that he is, or let's be honest, maybe isn't in our life. And here's the deal. Life comes at us really fast, a lot faster than we want it to. And this stuff gets thrown on our plate and, and we have to figure out, okay, like how do we do this? Like, how, how do, what order do we put these in that make it kind of make the most sense for, for me? And so what you'll do is you'll come to places maybe like a church. You'll hang out with God's family and maybe you read the scripture. Or maybe you have a, a mentor in your life that invests in you. Or maybe you're really into YouTube and you're watching a lot of videos. And you're like, oh man, there's this like certain pattern. And here's the deal. You don't have to hang out around anything spiritual very long before you realize it's a simple pattern, Right? We all know it. We've all been taught it, right? Out of all of these, the green one. The green one is the one that goes on the bottom. We know that. Out of these two, it's yellow. Yellow's the one that goes in the middle. And we've been taught, no matter what, the object of your faith is to keep God number one. Now, here's the deal. I think some of us may be doing an okay job with this. And we've got a lot of discipline, a lot of willpower. And so tomorrow morning we'll get up and we'll spend 10, 15, 20 minutes on a good day reading our Bible and journaling. We'll, we'll listen to the Christian radio on the way to school or on the way to work. And we'll rock the Christian t-shirts. And we'll be, you know, at church every time there's an option, whether it's house church or here at Basis. And then we're going to double down and we're going to listen to a lot of podcasts and watch a lot of the online sermons that are now available. And so some of us, we try really, really hard. And when we kind of like maybe kind of crack open our lives and look in, we go, yeah, yeah, you're doing a good job. You're doing a really good job. Well done. But we have to admit some of us like that, it's tiring. So for the vast majority of us, this is how it kind of plays out. We go, you know what? Um, we've kind of been in this cycle. We've done this, Drew. We're like not new to this. Like I've, been, I've grown up in church the majority of my life. Like I, I know all of this. And so we, we just kind of put it on autopilot. We go, Drew, listen, I, I don't need to see. I don't need to look. Like, I don't need to rehearse. I don't even need to be here. I just watch online. Like, it's easy. It's a simple pattern. Green. We all know it, right? Green's the one that goes on the bottom. Between these two, yellow. Yellow's the one that goes in the middle. We all know. Red. God, number one, right? And here's what's really scary. We'll leave this place and not a whole lot will be different. 
on the outside, you're still getting up. You're still rocking the right t-shirts. You're still listening to the right podcast. You're still raising your hands at the appropriate time in the songs. And you're doing a good job. And everyone looks at you and they go, yeah. Number one, that guy's got no God, number one. That woman, yeah, right there, number one. But for the majority of us, if you were to kind of, once again, crack open our lives and look a little bit deeper, I think if we'd be honest, many of us would find that God's nowhere near the top, but in fact, he's a lot closer to the bottom. But I think it gets a little bit scarier, especially here in America, because some of us have gotten so good at playing this game that our lives have become compartmentalized. We've separated it. Like, so what happens is we go, hey, hey here's, here's how this works, God. Here's, here's my life, here's my story, here's my issues, here's my things, and then God, here you are. And so what, what happens is we take God and we, we kind of set him in this, this compartment of our life, this little closet, if you will. And we go, God, this is where you hang out. And, and when I need you, when I get in trouble, when maybe the finances aren't the way I want them to be, or, or maybe my kid's in the hospital, or my marriage isn't where I thought it would be, I'm going to snap my fingers, and God, I want you to jump out and then grant me some wishes, like some cosmic genie that's in the sky. I'll rub the lamp when I need you. Or, or listen, we, don't, we would never say we do that. So here's how it plays out practically on day to day. God, you can have the Sunday mornings. God, you can have one of the evenings if the house church is hanging out. But God, what my life looks like on Friday or Saturday, you get to hang out here. What my Tuesday mornings look like, you hang out here. How I spend my time when I walk through work, this is you here. Sunday morning we can hang out. 10 to 11.30, I got you in the books. We go, God, here's the deal. I'll give you some of the money. I'll give you 10%. I, I, I'll give you school. I'll give you work. I'll, I'll give you the sports. I'll give you, I'll give you the hobbies. And, and, and God, when I do something really, really good uh, at, at, at my job, I'll make sure to post about it and give you credit at the end. Oh God, if I score that touchdown, I'll point to the sky so everybody knows, man, that guy loves Jesus. But how I date, what I do with that boyfriend or that girlfriend, how I treat my spouse, I get to decide that one, God. That one's up to me. And so we take God and we put him in this compartment of our lives. Can we be honest, church? Are we not tired of this? Is this, is this, is this why Jesus died? Like, is this it? Like, if this is it, then let's, let's, let's figure out something else to do. But, but what if there's more? What if, what if Jesus came for more? My prayer for us as a church, as a family, as individuals, is that over time, many of us would just get sick and tired of this. That you would get sick and tired of playing this game. And that maybe even today, when you go back to the compartments that you have a tendency to shove God in, my prayer is that he wouldn't be there. That here's what's even crazier. I, listen, 
I, I hope, I hope that you leave and I, I hope that God's not at the bottom of your list. I'm gonna be very honest with you this morning. I really don't care if God's at the top of your list. Like, here's why. Because I think God has zero desires just to be some priority in your life. Something that you do or you check off and you, you know, like you should just be proud of yourself. No, actually God doesn't want to be at the bottom. He doesn't want to be at the top. God's desire in your life is for him to be in the very center of everything that you are. Every place that you go. He desires to be in the very center of your marriage, in the very center of your dating life, in the very center of as, as you go to class and as you go to work. He wants to be in the center of all of it. Not just some segmented part of your life. And if I can be so bold this morning, I think anything less than this is not Christianity. And just another religion that's not gonna get you where you wanna go. And it's not why Jesus came. He came to be Lord of all, master of all, at the center of it all. And when he's there, it changes. Church, hear me. All of a sudden now, now Christianity isn't a list of rules, of do's and don'ts. It's not about regulations and hoops that you have to jump through. That's how so many of us see this walk with Jesus. I just gotta try harder. I gotta muster up more willpower. I'm here to get some spiritual pep talk and maybe I'll live a little bit different next week, but it doesn't work. Instead, listen, when, when we see Jesus for who he actually is, when we see him for the treasure that he promises to be, when we actually walk in connection with him, he's in the center of everything that we are, then we look at these things and go, you know what, I don't want to do those things. I don't want to be this person. I don't want to head that direction because they lead me away from you. They're taking my eye off the ball and I want my focus to be on you, Jesus. So I just pull it close. I put you in the center and I let you take lead. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, a follower of him, to actually follow him. So church, I don't know what God is speaking to you, what he's highlighting for you. But as a custom, we just want to give you space to just sit with him. 120 seconds for you just where you are to ask these two very, very simple questions. Today, God, what are you speaking to me? What are you highlighting for me? What are you putting your finger on? Not because he's mad at you, but because he loves you enough to point at it. And if God's speaking to you, ma'am, worship him. Praise his name that he would pull close and go, I love you enough, sweetheart. We gotta talk about this. This isn't where you wanna go. This isn't how you thrive. What's he saying to you? And in the words of Caesar, how do you now get to live? Not have to. But based upon what he's whispering to your heart, how do you get to live? How do you get to walk in freedom this week? So we just want to give you space. Just you and the Lord. This is your time. Take it. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that today's message resonated with you. 
It's our hope that you wouldn't be merely inspired, but that you would actually be transformed by something you heard today. At the Rim Church, we always ask two questions when processing God's word. What is God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? We encourage you to take a moment, reflect, and then to share with a friend or send us a message. We'd love to hear what God is teaching you and how we can help you take your next step in obedience. Until we meet again, we love you, church.